0: Hey, well, good morning, Hill City Church, and uh, welcome to Church Online this morning. It's great to be with you, as usual. Uh, it was nice, a little breather from recording for a little while. What great, great messages that we're having. What a blessing that it is. Um, today, I'm going to pick up and continue in our series that's called Where From Here, and I'm going to talk about one of my favorite uh, topics, and that is mission, being on mission. So, where from here? On mission, on mission, on mission. And other things today here, um, we are having a baptism service at the church today, which is really exciting. We have some candidates being baptized. But for you today, we're also going to have communion. And at the end of my message, we're going to have a communion, and we're going we're gonna to eat and celebrate the mission that Jesus has us on. And so I want to encourage you, go get something ready. Yeah, I have some of this ready-to-go uh, little communion wafer and cup here. Uh, so, get something ready or have somebody run and get something uh and uh and be ready for that. We're gonna do that at the end, and we're looking forward to it and we invite you as a believer in Jesus to join us in communion. so, like I said, uh this message is called on mission on mission and as I talk to you today and and right at the forefront i I need to say to you is that uh people need your Jesus. People need your Jesus. Do you need him? (laughs) You're like, there's no argument, right? Uh, And so I want to say that to you. People need your Jesus. But I also want to say this, is that people are also ready for your Jesus, for the Lord Jesus Christ to be their savior. You don't know who they are, and you're probably not gonna know who they are initially. You may find out, you may never find out in some cases, but so it is in your story, if you're a believer here today, if you're a Christian who professes faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you know very well that you were one of those people uh, that was ready for somebody's Jesus. And God the Father sent his Son that whosoever believed in him wouldn't perish, but would have everlasting life. You know, um, Jesus has us on mission, and I, I just... I want to read a definition for you, just a dictionary definition of mission. So he's like, well, mission. What's he talking about? A city and city outside of Abbotsford? Like, you know, what is this? Or is this like mission impossible? Some movie, some crazy thing. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is a good word. And this word literally means an important goal or purpose that is accompanied by a strong conviction, a calling, a calling. And I'll, uh, here's the deal. You are called, as a believer in Jesus, to be on mission, Christ's mission. And that's exciting. And those who he calls, he also equips. In other words, he gives, he prepares them, makes them ready, and puts into them what they need to do the mission that he has called them to. Very, very exciting. I'm a Christian today because people shared their faith with me. And I'll share a little bit about that today. But I want to read to you John 4, verse 35 to 38. It says... "Uh." Jesus says to them, don't you have a saying, it's, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for the harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps. It's true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. And you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And I I love this scripture because it's challenging to us. Look out on your mission field. Look out into the crop of people's lives that are actually ready to be harvested. A good crop that just is waiting. And he talks in here about, even now, the one who reaps is drawing a wage. It's like, it's like, we're already on task. We're we're already hired. We're already in the throes of this thing. The the reaper's the one you say, well that one comes at the end after someone is sown. It's true. But we're on task. We're on task doing the work of God when we're on mission, proclaiming the gospel, sharing our lives with people, sharing the gospel with people, inviting Jesus into our lives, sorry, inviting people into our lives to meet Jesus and represent him. So it's exciting. We open our eyes to the mission that is ahead of us. So I ask you the question today, what is your mission in life? Is it, is it happiness? Uh, is, it, is it wealth? Is it health? Is it wholeness? What, what is your mission? Is maybe your mission is to be a pilot, to fly a plane. I mean, what a great mission. What a great plan. What a great goal. Uh, what a great conviction that would be required to accomplish that. Maybe your, your mission this year is to hike 100,000 kilometers. Uh, wow, fantastic. Uh, But it takes commitment. It takes something from you and a plan and, and a determination. Hey, that is who I am. That's what I'm doing. Notice the call. You feel called to something, and it's what you do, and it's what you live for, and it's what you watch for. And this is so exciting because you get to be a partaker in Jesus yourself, and now you get to invite others to come alongside and know this Jesus that you know so personally that's radically changed your life. He's given you life of all lives, and you get to share it. How wonderful, you know the peace, you know the joy, you know the fulfillment, you know the answers in hard times, you know the strength that he gives you when it's difficult, this Jesus who lives in you by his spirit, you get to share all that. So let's be on mission. Jesus' mission is your mission. And this mission is a mission for others. I remember all the people who God lined up, literally chose uh, for the sake of me, Mitch Boros. You know, some kid that lives out in Matsque, he saw me as a kid and he saw me, he saw my future and he lined people up way ahead of time to come into my life, to be there and to share and to sow the truth of God's word in my life and to point me in the direction. I remember my friend, I'm going to say some names here because you know what, I love these people and they may see this, they may not, but my friend Wendell in high school, man, he brought me to his church, he brought me to youth group and I'm like, whoa, this is this is cool. This is interesting. He was very kindly introducing me to some environment that I really wasn't that familiar with, even though I had gone to Sunday school as a kid. It was way different. And now I'm looking at the world differently, too, because I'm a, I'm almost a young adult. I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm 16, I'm 17, all that. Um, I, so, and my salvation story goes beyond him participating, but he introduced me to a, a person who said something very pivotal in my decision to follow Christ. It was a friend of his down in california when i went along with my friend wendell to take him to university down there we drove down this friend radically impacted me with the true authentic christian that if ever i was one i said that's the guy i want to be i mean i got myself in all kinds of things and i had a relationship with a young lady and and it was her family that started to share with me and her about the promises of god and they brought us to a christian concert where an absolute stranger said something to me that was a designer fit just for my heart to hear. And he said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian no more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. Some of you heard me say that, but I can repeat that because, man, it was pivotal because I thought, well, I'm a good Christian. I go to church. I was no good Christian. I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't born again. I wasn't living a repentant lifestyle. I, I, I hadn't turned from sin. I didn't believe I was a sinner that needed forgiving. But those things had a huge impact. My God spoke through my dad. Uh, God spoke through total strangers and people that I knew, and I came to this place of absolute surrender and calling out to God. The Holy Spirit was at work with my life, and God used people. God wants to use you. Your mission is others. He has set you up and chosen you as well for somebody and for people throughout your lifetime to share Jesus with them. But, you know, what we need to realize here is that being on mission requires a very clear focus. It's just like the guy that's going to, you know, he's going to hike a hundred thousand kilometers this year. You better be focused. You better make a plan and work the plan. And, and people, I I just want to say this. People are God's creation and, and people are loved by God. I mean, so much that he sent his son to die for them. So they're, they're not a project. They're, they're, they're real living, breathing people like you and you, you didn't Nobody, you're not a Christian today because somebody made you a project, okay? People loved you authentically and were real with you. And they shared the realness of their relationship with Jesus. So that's what I'm talking about. Clear focus there. The early apostles, they had a very clear mission focus. I want to read you Acts 18, 1 to 10. It's really cool what it says there. It says, after this, and I, it's going to, the life of Paul, but you'll see these other people coming in. And you'll watch all the things that he does. It says, after Paul left Athens he went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, and because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. So you can see there's this shift, okay, in society and culture and some people having to move around. So Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and he worked with them every Sabbath. He, it says he went and he reasoned in the synagogues, trying to persuade Jews in Greece. You see, he's, he's lining up his, his very clear focus on a day-to-day basis about what he was doing, where he was going to be to share with people. And then it says in verse 5, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching. So I don't know if they maybe helped cover some of its tent-making duties for a little while so he could do this. But you see, he was always on point. Here's what I'm supposed to do. Here's why you say, well, you know, Pastor Mitch, you're comparing me to Apostle Paul. No, but I can, because what a great example of focus here, okay? Um, and it says he tes- He it says he says devoted himself exclusively to preaching and to testify. In other words, sharing testimony to the Jews that Jesus was Messiah, real testimony. You have a testimony, okay? But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, that happens, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he didn't stop. Now he's, now, okay, so that's not working here. You guys are done. Now I'm going to go to the Gentiles. So he's always on focus, always on point, on mission. Then Paul says, verse 7, left the synagogue, and he went next door to the house of Titus, Justice, a worshiper of God, and Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household ended up believing in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. It's fabulous. He goes next door. I mean, you know, we can see how from one relationship to the next, and then God opens this door as he's sewing. On point, on mission. In verse 9, it says, One night the Lord speaks to Paul in a vision and says, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And I want to say to you today, take that as a, as a personal message of focus, okay? Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Keep speaking the truth. Don't be silent about what you believe. Don't be silent. Paul was relentlessly on mission, regardless of the opposition and criticism, and so should we. Resistance actually doesn't stop you. If anything, it probably should affirm you that you're on course here. You're going to get some. You're going to get some people kicked back a little bit and say, Hey, I don't want. I want you, Jesus. I've had that. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's just this way. It's going to be, but. Remember the people God used to lead you to salvation in this process, because this is what you do in focus. you, With some, you're sowing, and with others, you're you're watering. And just remember, as we read, God makes it grow. On mission is a partnership with God, and this is the point about the part that God does. It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, after all, who's Apollos, who's Paul? We are only God's servants for whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. Okay, that's for you today. God has given you a work today. It doesn't matter what your name is, who you are, what title you have, and all this. But uh, uh, we are God's servants, okay? And it says, I planted the seed in your hearts. Paulus watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting, who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. God makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters... Work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you're God's building. Okay? So to remember this, God makes it grow. This is the partnership that you're in. You're partnering with other Christians, but you're partnering with God, who's the one that makes it grow, okay? He's the one that saves. He's the one that, that, remember the Holy Spirit speaking to you, somebody says something, and then this keeps coming back to you. Well, this is how God works when his word is being sown, and when truth is being given to people, and you're loving them, and you're representing Christ, and they're like, wow. This is amazing. I, I have never heard this, and um I've never really met anybody quite like you before. How cool is this? And so their lives are affected because the Holy Spirit takes that, and he starts reminding people because remember God loves them way more than we do, and we're loving them, but he loves them way more so he's he's just touching areas of their life where he knows them better than anybody, and he's just pressing on those spots very, very gentlemanly he's just he's pressing on them, and he's saying, "Hey, hey." What did that friend say? And he's reminding people, bringing them to account and accountability. Okay. For our outline today, um, I'm going to give you Jesus' example, uh, for you to be on mission. And I think it's a very practical application. I'm going to give you five real simple points or I think five, four, five. Anyways, we'll see where we get. But in Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38, it says Jesus, speaks of Jesus, says he goes, he goes, went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues. There's one of the points. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. There's another one. Healing every disease and sickness. There's another one. In verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. There's another one. Because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And here's the last one. Ask. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Some very clear things there about being on mission to teach, on mission to proclaim, on mission to heal. I'm excited about this. On mission to be compassionate, on mission to ask. Let's talk about it. First one, teaching mission, the teaching mission. Well, that one I think a lot of you would understand, like Matthew 28, right? We all have that one memorized pretty much. You're going to look at me to see if I quote it. No, I'm going to read it. It's powerful. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It says, therefore, it says to you and me, to you and I, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always at the very end of the age. is that a great reassurance? He's with you as you do this teaching, as you're on mission to teach. He said, oh, no, I'm not a teacher. Uh, just a minute. Making disciples, okay, is, is a kind of multi formatted teaching. Uh, it's example. It's mentoring, it's talking about, it's sharing the stories, it's bearing witness to the testimony, it's bringing them along, it's spending time, it's opening Bible together and talking about these things. It's about fielding questions. Do you know So people learn so much just by you answering their hard questions? You say, "Oh, well, I can't answer the hard questions. They're hard questions. like, me too. So I tell them what I do know. And they say, well, let's try and find the answer to the rest of this. In the meantime, let's pray. I'm with you. I'm for you you know and even that reassures them and teaches them about God's love when we show unconditional love so look at this it says making disciples is teaching what about baptizing them well what about that well you'd be you'd be saying hey you know what I was baptized in water and this is what it means and this is why I was baptized it's an explanation okay and then you go hey come down to my church we're having the baptism that's teaching. That's imparting information, good knowledge from Bible. That's why it's good that you read your Bible and you read some of these things. You understand why you have been baptized, what repentance is, some of these basic things of confession. Okay? And then it says, teach them to o- obey everything that I've commanded you. Well, What have you learned thus far in your lifetime as you've read the scripture, as you've been taught the scripture by your leaders, as you have been discipled, uh, maybe went to discipleship school, maybe watched some fantastic uh, um, um, videos of people preaching? You know, what about that? How about what have you learned that Jesus has commanded you? And I know that I didn't get it all right away, and I'm learning things now, but what are his commandments? What are the basics? What are the principles that I've learned and applied? Do you know that once you've applied them and you have them in your head and you find it in scripture, it's really easy to teach people the things that you've learned. that Christ is commanding us. Beautiful. So you're on a teaching mission. Even though you're, you don't see yourself as a teacher, okay, we can follow Jesus' example here and the teacher, and we can also appeal to him and say, God, show me in your word what it is that I could say to this person that you put in my life that I'm teaching about you. Okay. Remember, making disciples. Sometimes this is a starting point, but then discipleship making goes on past the starting point of, and them finding Christ, surrendering their lives to Christ, but then they still need, they still need to be discipled. They need, you disciple them to Christ, but then you disciple them in Christ. Exciting. Well, just because I have a few other points. Let me go on to the next one. And the second one is, uh, it's a proclaiming mission. It's a proclaiming mission. I know you're not surprised at that. Uh, we need to tell. We need to go and tell people about what we believe. You say, well, who are those people that we go and tell? Well, who do you see? Who do you meet? Where do you find yourself? Where do you live? Who's your neighbor? You know, who's your daddy? Who's your mommy? Who's your kids? Who, you know, like family, relatives, friends, strangers. It's all encompassing, okay? And it's a proclaiming mission. You ever end up at some barbecue and you're you're listening to somebody talk in the background and they're all non Christian people and you're thinking to yourself, Wow, he's being bold. He's he's telling them all about Jesus. And then inside you're thinking, Hey, I could I could do that, I might do it differently, but I'll do it my way. But wow, that's cool. Maybe you're thinking, Well that guy's obnoxious. Well, maybe you go along and just say, Hey, hey, I love what you're doing here, but I don't think the guy's listening, you know? But God uses it all. This is what I've discovered. Even when people are maybe, you know, a little bit raw in how they do it, sometimes that's exactly what people need to hear it and to break through a hardness of heart or a hardness of head and and hear the message. Look what it says in Romans 10, verse 14 to 18, and then I'll read verse 20. It says, How can they, okay, this on mission to others, how can they, all these people, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they? How can they believe in the whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching it to them or proclaiming it to them? And how can anyone preach? That would be you and me. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? you got to know you're sent, okay, by God. On mission, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's beautiful, guys, okay, that you bring good news. But not all Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I talking about what the Lord said. The Lord, Lord says, listen, Jesus says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. And that is the power of proclamation. God speaks to people when you speak. He uses what you're saying in the proclamation of the gospel, in the representation, in the telling of your testimony, of you bearing witness, a witness is one who, witnesses to others about who Jesus did, who who Jesus was, who he is, who he is to you, what he's done in your life, the breakthrough in your life, the healing in your life, the restoration in your life, the new things you've learned and applied and how to live life, you bear witness. It's powerful. God uses it. And so, you know, not everybody's going to accept it, but you don't know who those people are, so we proclaim. You know, a guy, I, I mentioned earlier about the guy that Proclaimed that very significant truth to me, and his testimony about how going to church didn't make you a Christian it was literally—I said earlier—a div- designer fit for me. You can be rest assured, and I'm confident God is confident in the fact that has the righteous order of God, and so He has He has people that are your designer fit. Uh, and you go, well, that encounter didn't go very well. Doesn't matter. God uses everything. Some of the people that were part of my salvation story. They will never know until heaven's side that I'm a Christian today and a and a pastor, you know, um, today because of them sharing what they shared. And I look forward to those conversations. I, you know, I remember proclaiming, uh, and I'm going to use a couple old stories here because I have a lot of fresh stories, but, you know, I don't want to, you know, um, you know, it, it just, anyways, I think you understand. There's people in my life right now. I just love them and I'll keep them you know, covered right now. But, um, remember I was working on the dairy farm and, uh, there was a young fellow, uh, that came and worked with us and, uh, man, I just, I just struck up a relationship with him and I was started praying for him all the time. And, and you know what? I I looked for opportunities to share and didn't quite come. And then one day he comes in and he's all bruised up and he says, you wouldn't believe what happened. I was in this terrible accident that, you know, they were surprised that I survived it. This car accident I was in and, you know, he had a, a CD embedded in his skull, and oh, it was crazy. Um, and he looks at me, and he says, he says, do you think God's real? That, like, if I was to have died in that, like, where would I be? I mean, like, you can't you can't make this up. He was talking to someone who loved God and could explain it, and I did. And I began, I prayed for him some more. I prayed with him in person, and I pointed him in the direction. I didn't get to lead him to Christ, but and I don't even know if he's a believer today, but... That's not my worry, except if I think of him, to pray for him. For all I know, he's serving God today. We have to do our part. Okay, it's powerful. So besides a proclamation uh, um mission, it's also a healing mission. A healing mission. Who has the power to heal? Me? You? God. God does. Now He uses us as his instruments of healing. And he oftentimes uses healing. And don't limit healing to physical only okay there's 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 wonderful people out there listening to this that they have a, a word of counsel on their lips they have their are compassion they come alongside of people and and they bring healing and restoration in the situation in their lives or they bring you know hope works like restoration for people that are broken hearted um and need healing uh and then there's physical healing. there's just so many realms of healing that God wants to flow through your life i i believe that there's going to be a a healing revival that's going to take place as we are focused, as I said earlier, and we are actually uh laying hands on sick people and saying, "Lord, you're the healer." Let me read what He says here. Okay, this is your 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 life. This is the things that's going to follow your life. I believe this. We need to take this literally, but we then need to, you know, like the guy remember hiking a hundred thousand kilometers in here. Be focused and look for the opportunities, but actually step out and walk in it. It says in Mark sixteen fifteen. Again, Great Commission, talking here, he said to them, Jesus said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Ugh, will be condemned. Oh, yeah, come on, let's share the gospel. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. I don't know why you want to drink deadly poison, but there's a point here is that there are things that you will do because you'll be forced to do them, perhaps, and they're not gonna harm you. It'll be miraculous stuff. Okay, just like, you know, all right, let's torture you with snakes, but wait a minute, they're not gonna bite you, or if they do, it doesn't hurt you like it did Paul. It didn't hurt him. Shook it off in the fire. But look at this. They, talking about you, will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. They will get well. Everybody say they will get well, but you got to place your hands on them. You see, this is a healing mission, and it's it's healing people spiritually, emotionally, physically. It's the whole gamut. We need to be the ones that are stepping out in faith. I'm going to give you a reference here. I want you to go and read 1 Corinthians 12, for 7 to 11. It talks about other superpowers of faith and nine supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. That God also distributes to us to be an operation, so not just healing, but other things that he uses in, in helping people get pointed to God. If they are and they, they're like signs and wonders. You know and maybe you think your life is a sign and a wonder to the to the unbeliever. So let's represent that. The fourth one here is It's a compassion mission. You heard me read it earlier. Jesus said he had compassion. In Mark 9, verse 36, here's a couple of compassion scriptures of Jesus himself. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And we we need to look at the masses that way and to our neighbors and our friends. It's like those that aren't going to get saved are condemned. It's like, oh, man, while they're breathing, they're on on this planet. And they're my neighbor. They live near me. My goodness, they're harassed and helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. I'm going to be moved with compassion just for that alone. Come on, let alone eternal destiny. And then in Matthew 14, verse 14, it says, When Jesus landed uh, in his in his 747, <laughs> a boat onto a shore, and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. You notice those things were... He was moved with compassion. You see the... The motivation, the heart. So here we are, 2021. And, you know, just on the the, the heels of hopefully COVID all disappearing and all that. Today, people don't care how much you know. But they sure want to know how much you care. And you have an opportunity to show compassion to people and point them in the direction of Jesus. It's interesting when you go and study the Bible and you read about all the, uh, the stories of. Uh, you just go and study the stories of of the blind people, people that were physically blind. They couldn't see, and you know from from the guy who was blind and Jesus, you know, mixed the spit in the mud and and healed him, put it on his eyes. All seems kind of crazy, but they were the blind people were hearing about him passing by. They heard him pass by. They heard him approaching. They heard he was in town. Notice that their senses of hearing were, and all their senses are heightened because uh they they don't have their sight. And yet they were hearing something that was giving them hope in the condition and the situation that they were in and hoping that someone, is someone going to have compassion on me? I heard that somebody got healed. Maybe I could be healed. Maybe someone cares to take me along To that place where he is, you know, God is calling us to bring people to Jesus, literally. And, you know, um, blind people have heightened awareness of their senses. And then there's a lot of unsaved people that have a heightened awareness of their problems. And, uh, and they, we meet them and, you know, maybe we're really aware of their struggle and they're not aware of their struggle, but I think a lot of them are. They're, they're, they have many needs. And they're not really realizing their greatest need, and that is for Savior. And that's where our compassion comes in, where we begin to proclaim and teach and bring gospel, word, and truth to them. The last one, my last point here today, is it's an asking mission. It's an asking mission. You say, what well, do you mean asking? Well, he said, ask the Lord of, har- of the harvest to send out workers into his field. The harvest is ripe and it's ready. And, um, and so, Asking. Why is it an asking mission? You see, asking is praying. Asking is praying. Who are we asking? Am I asking you? I'm asking you today, but I'm pointing you in the direction of Jesus. It's ask the Lord of the harvest. Ask Him, okay, for these people. Ask Him for your kids. Ask Him for your family. Ask Him for your neighbors. Ask Him for your co-workers. Ask Him for the kids in the school. Ask Him for world leaders uh, and and leaders in your nation. Ask Him uh, for... People to have, that you're supposed to have the divine appointments with throughout your life to actually go and share the gospel with them to begin to engage. And you may not the first time, it may be that your fashion of sharing Christ begins with kindness and connection, and coffee, and hello, and maybe a commonality like a hobby. But either way, you are who you are. That's what I love about the beauty of the gospel that it comes through. Every single one of you in its own very special way, just in a designer fit with the people that are receiving it. But we need to go on an asking mission. We need to pray to God. The power of God was at work bringing you to salvation. It was, listen, you know, I've heard the stories. My dad said, man, my mom... She was a prayer warrior. She prayed for me. I'll tell you what, she knew our broken family. She's praying for this boy, (laughs) you know, as a little kid before she went to heaven. You know, like, come on, the power of prayer. The gospel message uh, was sown and was at work within you because it was also getting watered by people's prayers. And so when people spoke to me, God used it. Okay, it's the same thing happened today, but we need to be in prayer for these things and for people. The Holy Spirit was Convicting you. He was convicting me of truth as it was represented to me because people were praying. The bowls in heaven were getting filled by people's prey, and people are getting prayed for. Okay? Chosen people, chosen people spoke things to me for my salvation. Okay. Be on an asking mission. Be the chosen people in that person's salvation story. Sowing, watering, reaping doesn't really matter. It's their salvation that matters be on asking mission, be on mission. You're the key person for the salvation of others. So you say, where from here? Where from here? Well, your assignment moving forward is harvest ready. It's being harvest ready, being on mission. It's the teaching mission. It's the proclaiming mission. This is your assignment. This is your homework. This is your role. This is your calling. This is not mission impossible. This is mission possible because God is with you. God be with you. He can be against you. He's for you. He's on your side and he loves these people. Okay? So you get to present and bring this. I want you to get excited about what God's doing. When you get excited, I'll tell you, you're going to be praying a whole lot for people that are around you. You're going to be praying for those divine opportunities. So teaching mission, proclaiming mission, healing mission, step out in faith. Lay some hands on people. Pray for the sick. Pray for people that are confused. Pray for every situation you possibly can. Trust me, you're gonna. There's gonna be signs and wonders that follow them who believe enough to lay hands on people and pray for them. And it's a compassion mission. Don't don't forget that. Move in compassion. Be moved by compassion. Uh, let, put your heart out there. Uh, be real. Be be crying with people. Connect with people. Be moved by motivation of compassion to go out there and connect with people, and then be that on that asking mission. Be on the asking mission. You know. As I transition here into communion today, um, we're on mission as children of God. And I want us to take this communion today to say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm 100% committed. I am your, I'm I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to speak. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to be on point, on mission. Where from here. Now, I think there's going to be, we're going to see some miraculous, well, salvation's always miraculous. We're going to see miraculous salvations in these days to come. So, here is the communion. Get your communion ready. I have mine right here, and I'm just going to prepare it so that we're ready. And that gives you just a moment, okay? And um, I'm going to read a scripture for you, and this scripture is from 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4 to 6. And it talks about our confidence in God as ministers of this gospel on this mission. And I think how apropos today. So it says this, such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God in heaven. It comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a what? A new covenant. There's that word, the covenant in Jesus' blood. He's made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We're Spirit-led preachers of truth, leading us to people, bringing the new covenant of grace to people. So Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, Paul shares it. Out of 1 Corinthians 11 here, he says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus himself, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, Okay, when you eat it. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. There's that new covenant. New covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so let's pray together. Let's bless the bread and the cup in faith today and this this on-mission call upon our lives of bearers of the glorious new covenant that we get to enjoy. And we remember what he's done for us so that we can remember to be on focus to be his ambassadors with competence and confidence that he's given us to be these ministers. So let's pray. Father, today, thank you, Lord, for your bread, the bread that represents your body. Thank you for the cup that represents your blood. Thank you, Lord, that when we eat and drink today, we eat and drink into our teaching and proclaiming mission, into our healing mission. By his stripes, we are healed we're we're eating and drinking unto the compassion m- mission and and the asking that we be a people of prayer that this covenant and the sowing of the new promises in jesus flow out of our lives by your spirit in the gifts of the holy spirit under the power of god our mouths flowing and not being silent from the truth of the Word of God that our minds have been renewed in, that we fill up into our lives every day. Jesus, you are the Word. We eat of you today. We drink of your new covenant. And Lord, we are assured with fresh courage today as we eat and drink this communion. Lord, we are competent ministers of a new covenant. In Jesus' name, bless eaters and bless those who drink today. In faith in this communion, I pray in Jesus' name. Please eat the bread drink the cup together. I say amen to that. Well, I hope, I hope you're excited. I hope that you feel some renewal in your heart about God's purpose, His mission on your life, your mission to others. It's exciting. Go and look at these things. Reread these scriptures. Be encouraged. Thank you so much, so much for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. You're on mission. Well, you step out your door. Well, you're on mission in your house too. But then when you step out of your house too, bless you great to see you. God bless you, ben.